sea. Shadow Lake, Snow Shipwreck, RV, Esky, Hawaii, Burger Garden, Papers, Peter Pan, Barbie. It's a Babysitter's Club Super Special. Welcome to Stuck in Stony Brook, a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. Today we're discussing Super Special 9, starring the Babysitter's Club. And we have a very special guest joining us, our new internet friend, Donnie Hadfield-Smith. Donnie is the co-host of I Am The Cute One, a nostalgia podcast, and the face behind the chaotic Instagram and TikTok accounts, Real Donnie Wood, at Real Donnie Wood, so follow him. <laughs> yes. That's me. <laughs> Welcome. We're so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. That's fantastic. So for our listeners who don't know, we met Donnie when several of you sent us his Instagram reels, Time to Judge a Book by Its Cover, about the original BSC covers, in which he tells us what's going on in the books without having read any of them. So um, here are a couple of examples. We know most of you can picture the covers he's talking about. Time to judge a book by its cover. Today we're doing the Babysitter's Club. Mary Ann saves the day, where the tagline is, Mary Ann's on her own. Can she take charge? Now, I don't want to downplay what Mary Ann's doing here, but all she's doing is taking this little bitch's temperature. She has a fever, so what? Unless she has tuberculosis, I wouldn't really consider this saving the day. Like, give her some children's Tylenol and pop in a VHS of Matilda and call it a day. This is some truly narcissistic tendency. Saving the day. All right, Marianne, relax. Time to judge a book by its cover. Today we're doing The Babysitter's Club, Dawn and the Impossible Three, where the tagline is, Dawn thought she'd be babysitting, not monster sitting. And I'm just going to say, let these little fucking three kids terrorize me when I'm babysitting. Because the first thing I would say was, why do all three of you look different? You clearly have different dads. Ask your mom that, honey. But also, what is that on the table? Is that a bowl full of cocaine? Maybe that's why the kids are so ramped up. Okay, so before we get into the this piece of literary work, Donnie, <laughs> um, we have to ask you to give us your take on this super special cover. I would love to. So it is time to judge a book by its cover. Today we're doing The Babysitter's Club Super Special Number 9, starring The Babysitter's Club, where the tagline is, it is showtime. And on the cover I'm looking at, it says, win a trip to Disney World, which I guess is a loose tie-in to Peter Pan. But Real loose. Though, yeah, they didn't do the Disney version, but that's okay. We're winning a trip to Disney World anyway. Um, there's a lot happening on the cover, and I don't, don't quite know where to start. First, we have Jesse and alligator costume but we can still see her face her face is fully in this alligator's mouth so it's not just an alligator costume it's an alligator costume of an alligator that is eating a child next (laughs) (laughs) next we have a gay pirate kneeling (laughs) i know this is logan um however it is a gay pirate and stacy is doing her best samantha from american girl doll cosplay (laughs) here i think she is supposed i mean i read the book this time spoiler alert i know she is mrs darling however that's not what i'm getting and we just have to end with peter pan because christy looks like a middle-aged woman that was cast in this production Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much. All accurate as usual. I mean, it's like I didn't even need a picture. It's just I I just needed. I painted it for you. You did. Yes. Okay. So let's get into our one sentence summary. Since Donnie, you are our guest. You shall go first. Sure. So the K through 12 education system of Stony Brook does a production of Peter Pan in which everyone who doesn't want a lead role gets one and everyone who wants a lead role gets cast as an Indian boy instead. (laughs) 
That's very good. <laughs> very good. <laughs> very you. good. Um, mine, uh, I took a slightly different perspective. <laughs> I had a lot of empathy for the the weary uh, adult director of this production. So I said, Mr. Cheney's patience gets tested while he squeezes a passable version of Peter Pan out of Stony Brook Middle School. M dash, justice for Mr. Cheney. <laughs> I knew you were going to sympathize with him. Oh, yes. There's that one passage that's like so funny about him that yes. was great. Okay, so Donnie, usually mine don't really make sense and it's just some <laughs> random statement. Um, so my one wait. sentence summary is, in this book, not only is Don annoying, but so is Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you guys, we should probably back up and tell you about the members of the podcast. I'm Esme Schaller, an adolescent psychologist. I'm kind of bossy, but I have a big heart. I'm Annie Chikala, a freelance writer. I'm a mischievous pragmatist with a sweet tooth. And I am Donnie Hatfield-Smith, a chaotic petty bitch who fancies himself a California girl. Oh, you'll fit right in here. We're all California <laughs> it's girls. Like, you're like, who needs Emily? Yeah. <laughs> Emily out, Donnie in. Actually, maybe we should change Emily's introduction to Donnie's from here on out because I feel like it's pretty good. Because she is also a petty bitch. Yeah. <laughs> fancies herself a California girl. Uh, <laughs> listeners, you may have noticed Emily's not here. Um, we had to reschedule with poor Donnie a couple times because his laptop exploded <laughs> oh. and like Best Buy was not helpful. Lots of things happened. We're getting, you're, you're hearing this in the early stages of 2023, but we're recording this in the last gasp of 2022 and Emily was indisposed. So she sends her love, Donnie, and is sorry that she could not meet you, okay, but she on. will get to edit this. Emily's <laughs> hanging out with one of her like 10,000 friends right now. <laughs> it's like her best, best friend. <laughs> anyway. Okay. <laughs> she lives across the country. It's her okay, husband's we'll allow, it. We'll, allow yeah, it. we'll allow it. <laughs> Speaking of which, Johnny, I think you're right in between age-wise. We always ask, we, we always ask people how old they are um, because it's relevant to the podcast. Okay, I'm sorry. It's, it's required. So yeah. Anne and I were both born in 1978 and Emily was born in 1988. So, I'm 86. Okay. That's why I suspected you were closer to Emily, but between mm-hmm. us. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, 86 yes. is a good year. Lots of good things happen in 1986. It is. Can you tell me three? Yes. Uh, <laughs> the movie musical Little Shop of Horrors, which oh, I know is your favorite okay. movie musical. So it we is. have that in common. Yeah. Um, and uh, They Might Be Giants' first album came out in 1986. Wow. And Punky Brewster was in season three, which I think is it's the best season. Wow. Love that. Okay, I knew these none are, of those things. These yeah. are all defining personality traits of Esme. It's not wrong. It's not wrong. It's not wrong at all. <laughs> and now we can add to it, Donnie Hadfield-Smith was born. Yes. Well, I would venture to say that is the most important one, but yeah. <laughs> we'll let Punky yeah. Brewster get her yeah. shine too, I suppose. <laughs> Esme's going to not make you one of her dominant personality traits. (laughs) I wish more people would. (laughs) Okay. Well, if you want to learn more about us and how we know each other, you can check out our prologue episode. Also, rate and review us. It really helps people find the podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, or commentary about anything BC related, drop us a line at stuckinstonybrook at gmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash stuckinstonybrook. And we have two new patrons to thank. A pizza toast to Brandy Walker and Anna Olson. Woohoo! Pizza toast. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so now Donnie, let's get, get down to business. I would love to. <laughs> let's learn more about you. So our first question, since this is a Baby Sitter's Club podcast, is you prior to this book, you had never mm-hmm. read a Baby Sitter's Club book. That's correct. 
yet you have all these like super funny takes on the covers. Like how did you decide Babysitter's Club was the series you were going to tackle? I originally tried Fear Street, but people weren't biting. And then I like dabbled in Babysitter's Club and people just flocked to it. So I was like, all right, I I think my brand found me. I didn't even really (laughs) find a Babysitter's Club. But I I love the movie from 1995. And when I say I love it, I mean, I watched it like three times in my life. And I loved all of those viewings. It's not like (laughs) I watch it every weekend. But I did love that movie. And when the Netflix show came out, I also enjoyed that. And the original original like Canadian show say hello mm-hmm. to your friends oh, yeah. I love that as well um so I do have a lot of babysitters club experience that I have like left behind in my past so these girls were once a part of my life but then I forgotten them in my childhood so when I look at these covers I truly don't know the girls I'm looking at it could be Marianne it could be Mallory I don't know sometimes it could be Christy um every blonde girl on the cover I think is Stacy I'm <laughs> always wrong um but <laughs> <laughs> but that's what part of that's part of what makes it fun for me. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, it's, I mean, we would probably argue, as would some of our listeners, that you didn't really know the girls until you watched the Netflix series, because mm. while the the HBO Canadian videotape show and the 95 movie are fun romps and great uh, buddy ensembles, they got very little to do with these folks, mm, okay. <laughs> other than the names. <laughs> so, um, but the Netflix show is like primo amazing and, yeah. and really, really good. Good. It was so, so well done. Yeah, you 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 know them. You know them from that. That's fair. Thank you. Thank you. So, which characters do you most associate with? So again, very limited knowledge. I think that the slut part of Stacy, I am absolutely. <laughs> um, then the like bossy bitch part of Christy, I am, and I think that's why I hate Christy so much mm-hmm. because you hate in others what you hate about yourself. Mm-hmm. So like Christy, I would burn at the stake if I could, but. <laughs> That's because I 1,000% am Chris. <laughs> oh, man. I thought you were going to bre- break our streak of having the vast majority of our guests being Christie's because you didn't like her, but th- you just don't like her because you are a Christie. So, yeah. 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 We can only get Christie's to come on this show. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Why is that? <laughs> well, actually, we know why. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this being your first Babysitter's Cup book, what was your, what are your impressions? (laughs) I don't really know where to start. I feel like you set me up because you told me, (laughs) you told me that I would really like this book because of the theater aspect. And you know, I'm a theater girl. Um, however, you didn't tell me that every single character ever in Stony Brook was in this book. There was one page where literally 26 <laughs> different names were listed. And <laughs> I about lost my mind. I didn't know what to do. So then I had to make a little chart like, OK, Christy. Oh, oh, that is, wow. So excited that you made a chart. Go on. <laughs> I was like, Christy is the butch bitch that also is Peter Pan. Jesse is the whiny dancer that is the assistant choreographer. Like I had to go through things so that if I got lost, especially Mallory and Marianne, they are, I don't want to break any Mallory or Marianne hearts out there, but they are the two most forgettable for me. So (laughs) whenever I saw those M names, I didn't know who I was looking at. So I would have to consult my chart. However... (laughs) 
charts aside, I really did enjoy myself reading this book. Um, I got nervous when I was reading it on a Kindle, when we got to like 86% of the book and we didn't get to the play yet. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, are we going to skip over the production? But we did not. We saw it. Yeah. I had a great time. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, Was it, I don't know if you had any like expectations going in, given that you've been looking at the covers for quite some time. You've, you've watched a bunch of different versions, representations of these books. Like, did you, did you, and, and, and you like other like 90s kid teen content. So like, did you have ideas about what they were going to be like that were either confirmed or denied? Like the the experience of just like how it's written and that kind of thing. I knew, quote, I had a feeling they were more Seventh Heaven than they were like Gossip Girl, like more wholesome. And I was correct about that. Um, I didn't know that Super Special Nine, which I assume is pretty far in the series, we were still going to get a character breakdown of every single person. Oh, honey. Yeah. That happens in every book. Oh, wow. Really? Every book. book. That's chapter two. Every book. (laughs) I love that kind of. Look how shocked he looks. He actually, there was a, did you hear the audible gasp? Yeah. (laughs) Gasp. Yeah. I yeah. was shocked and I was shocked reading it because I, like I was on page 62 or whatever, when those 26 names were listed, that's how I thought I was going to be this entire book. But mm-hmm. then chapter two came and now we got full family bios of everyone. She helps like, you okay. out. She does. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah. does. Anna Martin wanted to make sure that any random kid that yeah. picked up a random BSC book would be able to be oriented and know a little bit about yeah. it. She was Brooke. like, if in 2022, Donnie <laughs> wants to read this I'm going to hook him up. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you for that. I also didn't know that each, like, that it was written first person point of view, first of all. I didn't know that. And I didn't know that it was written first person point of view, like, twice within the chapter. We got a diary entry, and then we got an actual chapter from their point Mm -hmm. of view, which was fun. And I didn't know that it would be different narrators as well. Yeah, so the different narrators are a super special feature. Oh, okay. So, usually, like, if it's, like, Christie's Mystery Admirer, Christie is the narrator for that whole book. Okay. Like, whoever's name is in the title is the narrator. But then the super special switch okay so when this is me inviting myself on again when i come back for another episode yeah i would like to do just a traditional book this one i think was a little bit of a leap for me because (laughs) because i know my main girls but then we got like koki and jackie and logan like anyone that ever breathed in these girls vicinities was getting a chapter (laughs) and it became a little too much for me yeah i was waiting for the janitor to get a chapter It's like you went to a wedding where you knew no one. Yeah. You're like, who the hell are these people? Yeah. Why am I at this table? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. I hadn't really thought about how a super special would be really overwhelming if you've never read a Babysitter's Club book. Yeah. I mean, it was a great time, but I do feel like you pushed me into traffic. Yeah. <laughs> But really, like, kind traffic. Yeah, like fun traffic, like Frogger. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Seventh Heaven traffic. (laughs) We did watch the first episode of Gossip Girl as a a bonus um, on the podcast because Emily really loves it, and I had never watched it. And I was very confused. (laughs) It's good. I'm just, yeah. 
Before we talk about the book, before we really get into the plot, I want you to tell our listeners how you took advantage of Elon Musk's Twitter and <laughs> Candace Cameron Bure or Bure, however you say her married last name, ignorance. DJ. Um, yeah, DJ Tanner. <laughs> yeah, DJ. How did you teach DJ Tanner and Elon Musk a lesson? Please leave the tale. I would love to. <laughs> so, so when Elon was handing out those blue checks to anyone that would pay $8, it was the same day that DJ Tanner made statements that she was no longer doing Hallmark movies. She moved to GAC Channel or whatever it's called mm-hmm. to make movies without LGBT present mm-hmm. and like focus on traditional movies. So I was like, this is fate that these two things are happening on the same day. So mm-hmm. I created a Twitter account as Candace Cameron Bure, um, where I just posted like clearly obvious parody things, like vulgar things, very non-Christian things, sexual things, um, clearly not Candace Cameron. Cameron. But her fans fell for it and thought I was Candace Cameron and were like tweeting me back. It was wild. It was the best three hours of my life. Um, but then Elon caught on because then I wasn't even like hiding. I was tagging her co-stars. I was tagging Gak Channel. Like I was not trying to hide in the shadows as Candace Cameron Bure. I was making a statement. Um, so after three short, wonderful hours, Elon pulled my Twitter. I was banned. Yeah. That's amazing. It's so good. (laughs) It's so good. I'm just so impressed. (laughs) I feel like that's like the best use of the like horrific, hateful, racist chaos that he's causing Um, that you just did this like beautiful piece of performance art, digital performance art. It's so good. Thank you. I was on the subway, like I started the account on the subway and I was just sobbing, laughing, making these things. People probably thought I was, I I mean, I am crazy. So if they thought that they were (laughs) correct, but they didn't know what they were missing out on. No. Fantastic. Um, so do you, I'm assuming that you have some, some choice tweets, say, some screenshots saved in your story highlights or. Oh yeah. I made a TikTok yeah. of like a highlights of it. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> okay. So people want to check that out. Oh, so of course. Good. And if you could steal anyone's identity from Elon Musk's Twitter for three hours, who would you choose? Oh man. I feel like we're going to have to circle back to this at the end of the episode. So I can okay. think about it. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm writing a note because I will not remember to ask you that. <laughs> okay. So the plot of the book has to do with the high school performance of Peter Pan, the musical. Well, it's K-12, like Donnie K-12, mentioned. K-12, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> because all of Sonya Rick has to be in it. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. yeah. But one of the reasons we wanted to invite you on to this specific episode and book is because you are a self-described theater kid. I am. Yeah. So were you involved in like drama in high school? Yeah I, was. yeah, I started in, I don't think my elementary school had shows, but middle school we did. They were terrible. Um, <laughs> but then in high school, we did like actual shows and I was in the theater department there in 11th grade, I think it was. I don't know who I thought I was. I wasn't like, I wasn't playing Annie. I wasn't getting lead roles, but <laughs> I thought I was somebody because one day I had a doctor's appointment or something the same day as auditions. And I just wrote the director a note and said like, you know what I'm capable of. Cast me in any part you see fit. <laughs> like, very Jesse, very Jesse. So <laughs> wow. Yeah. And did you get a part? I got like a supporting lead, yeah. A supporting lead. What what part was it in what show? It was in uh, A Midsummer Night's Dream, and Mm -hmm. I was the father. So, like, I had a decent, yeah, decent. Yeah, okay. That's that is wow. very impressive. I know. I wonder what an audition would have got me. 
you know what I'm capable of, Mr. Cheney. <laughs> Let me where you see fit. So good. Oh, yeah. And then um, you're still involved in theater now to some extent. Yeah, I live in New York. So like it's there's not really a theater for fun in New York. Um, So if I ever moved to the suburbs anywhere, I would absolutely get involved in community Mm -hmm. theater and like ruin little girls lives and fight them for like to play Elle Woods and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So maybe it's better that I do live in the city where I can't do that. Uh, So now it's just just like a passion yeah. and not a, not something I actively do. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, so yeah, that's what's happening in this book. They're putting on Peter Pan. It's not a complicated plot, um, but your one sentence summary really spoke to it, Donnie, because everybody that's excited about it gets some, a weird situation. It's nothing is exactly as people planned, which actually I kind of remember from high school plays. I feel like people do, you know, teachers do put people where they think they should be as opposed to where, where kids want to be like yeah um so i i thought that that was like a good little lesson in flexibility that anna Mm -hmm. martin is sticking in there but so christy wants to be the crocodile and nana the dog (laughs) and gets cast as peter pan right jesse assumes she will be peter pan and is just like a pirate right um, and then, like, pitches that to the school newspaper as well. Like, oh, she right. does undercover work saying, I'm going to play Peter Pan. I'll get you <laughs> the inside scoop. Great feature. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This is really not how Jesse usually comes off. Um, we've had a lot, we've, we've had a lot of talk on this podcast of her, you know, falling in line with kind of the magical Negro trope and like Mm. being super perfect and like super like without reproach. And so I was actually kind of glad to see her falling apart a little bit to get a little bit more, but, but then it's like real far. (laughs) She got very bitter. Yeah. Yeah. Extremely bitter. Yeah, there was that whole chapter at the Babysitter's Club meeting where the only thing she did was scoff and roll her eyes at people. Yeah, she was, no, she was like scoffing and snorting and Chrissy told her to say, Chrissy said to her, you sound like a horse. That's my girl. <laughs> Truth to power. Um, yeah. And then let's see, Claudia in true. So Anne's a Claudia, not just because she's Japanese American. And in true, this is one of the books, Anne, where I felt like Claudia was most like you. Did you also get that I vibe? Agree. Because yeah. she's like, I just wanted to paint some shit. You're going to put me in charge. I don't <laughs> yes, want to be yeah. in charge. That's very much my vibe. Yeah. <laughs> So that was good. And then Stacy and Sam have their like nascent relationship and they get cast as the married couple, which is, I guess is a very embarrassing, <laughs> um, which I just feel like if Stacy's so sophisticated, why was she so embarrassed? Right. I don't know. I know. Whose brother is Sam? Christy. Christie's. Oh, okay. Got it. Okay. Got it. And then Don. Oh yeah. Don. Don wants to be Tiger Lily. And we'll, we'll get into the racism of this play and how many times we had to read the word Indian later. Oh, um, but And she goes up against Cokie Mason and Cokie gets Tiger Lily, but Don gets the lead. Don gets cast as Wendy instead <laughs> of the second lead, right? Um, and then Don's it up. We can talk more about that. Um, <laughs> gets, gets real Don Schaefer up in there. Uh, who are we missing? Marianne is the, the play babysitter. Poor thing. No wonder you thought she was forgettable in this book. Um, <laughs> Mallory's the assistant costume designer mm. and is also embarrassed the whole time. Um, that everybody? Logan. Oh, and mm. Logan's a pirate and then gets kicked out of the play and then gets back in again. Yeah. <laughs> Him getting kicked out of the play, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> I know. That is when Mr. Cheney lost me a little bit. Yeah. Because 
spoiler alert, Mr. Cheney was my original pizza toast. Um, <laughs> but I pulled it from him when he fired Logan because I was like, Mr. Cheney is losing his mind. Right. I think Mr. Cheney wanted, much like myself, wanted to be an actor and then didn't find himself on that path. So he was like, how can I ruin children's lives in the theater? <laughs> and yeah, he, that was is having, he was having like a black swan moment. Yeah. He was like... <laughs> He was real impatient. Spiraling. Yeah. yeah. And I I kind of wanted to take him aside and just be like, hey, buddy, what did you think this was? Right. Like, what? It's a 13-year-old it's a boy. He, he's, he's got a sword. What and do you the, think he's going to do? Right. And the 13-year-old boy was one of the older members of the cast. Right. He was acting that way with, like, chill babies. <laughs> babies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so tell us what jumped out to you, Donnie. What, was, what were your favorite parts? What were the things that rung true from your theater background? What were the things that, you know? Sure. Yeah, yeah, so Logan being fired was a big one. That was number one on my, I made a list. That was Great. number one on my list. Also, I don't understand why Christy was upset that Christy tried to set Koki up and said like, oh, you have a dressing room. And it was the janitor's closet. Then when Koki made the best of it and put a star on the door, then Christy was like, I need revenge. <laughs> revenge? <laughs> like, I, I thought sometimes, and this is not just a babysitter's club thing. This is just like a... Tick, I said I'm part of the TikTok generation. I'm not. I know I'm too damn old for that. But it is like an undiagnosed ADHD thing, I think, mm -hmm. where like I when I read, I just read dialogue a lot of times and browse mm -hmm. over action. And then if I'm like, oh, I missed something, then I go back and read mm -hmm. the action. So when I saw that Christy needed revenge, I thought Koki really did something. And then I went back and said, no, she, she didn't. So that, that, that part really stood out at me. But again, I am a Christy. I am batshit crazy so I do think that would have upset me as well it just stood out to see that others would be upset by that also um Jackie okay before I get to Jackie are any of these children neurodivergent before I yeah is it Jackie? great question so it's not labeled but yes we think that Jackie definitely has developmental coordination disorder okay. um so because he's super super klutzy and probably adhd okay well jackie now that i asked you that as a warning i'm still gonna say jackie got on my last fucking nerve i couldn't <laughs> i couldn't with jackie <laughs> and, then, and then we got like three chapters from his point of view that was too uh, many yeah that was, was too was many Rodowski chapters for sure yeah yeah it was a lot for me so that those stood out um and then the last thing no two actually i forgot whose chapter I was reading when Claudia binged on chocolate before the show and for a second I thought it was Stacy and I thought she was going to go into diabetic shock <laughs> during the performance <laughs> I was so excited <laughs> but no it's just Claudia so <laughs> That didn't happen. And then the last thing that really stood out to me, Christy stepping on Koki solos during Ugga Wugga or whatever it's called yeah. made my jaw drop. Yeah, that was a bold move. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And she didn't get in trouble for it. No. In fact, his note after that was like, you're kind of falling flat during that song. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me? 
Yeah. Yeah. I was very shocked that that did not, especially given the the erratic behavior we had already seen from Mr. Yeah. Cheney. I was very shocked that he didn't really ream Christy a new one about that. Yeah. yeah. Do you think, and maybe I like glossed over it and that is the only time we got to see it. Do you think that when it became the night of, he cooled down a little bit and he was like, it is what it is. Or Probably. Do you think, yeah. I mean, I've definitely, I definitely saw teachers do that in high school. Like what else are we going to do now? Yeah. Like, it's, like, there's no point. Like, I'm not going to get any more feedback. This is, they're going to do what they're going to do up there. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Unless he yeah. was like, yeah, Cokie's a bitch. Do what you want to her. I mean, he also <laughs> could have thought that. <laughs> like, it could be both. This is, yeah. So I I was super excited that we got a Cokie chapter in this book because she has been the anonymous mean girl bitch uh, in the whole, you know, 80 books now. Yeah. And we've never heard from her point of view. I would have liked three Cokie chapters instead of one Cokie yes. chapter and three Jackie chapters. I mean, yeah. this is a girl getting dressed in a janitor's closet, for God's sake. We need we need some yeah. insight. Yeah, with her own personal makeup artist. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. A glam squad. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. Anne, what did you think of the Koki chapter, given that this is the first time we heard from her? Like, I thought that it was going to paint her in a better, like, light kind of, mm-hmm. like, get to understand her internal, you know, mm-hmm. thought process and like, maybe why she's not that mean, actually. Uh, but then, no, she's just a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> no, so. she's just a shallow bitch. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, oh, there's like yeah. no redemption here at all. Yeah. Yeah. But didn't you think you're maybe going to get a little bit more nuanced? Yes. Right? Yeah. No. I was hoping. I was hoping too. Um, but yeah, she did not. I, we just didn't get much. It just seems like there's, you know, Anna Martin believes that there's not much there. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes there isn't. Right. You know, I suppose that's true. I suppose that's true. Okay. Fantastic. So Jackie drove you nuts. Mm-hmm. Were there any parts that were the opposite that you particularly enjoyed? Um, I didn't make note of that because that's just not the kind of person I am. But I do. <laughs> just overall, I had a great time reading this. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like a I don't know what saying this, but like no parts that I enjoyed enjoyed stood out to me because I am a person that talking shit is my love language. So like all of those things I absolutely adored. Right. But I know that it came from a lens of like, not great. Yeah. <laughs> totally fair. Totally well, fair. Well, now that you've gotten to know the characters a little bit more, mm-hmm. do you feel like you like, you know, now do you have like a different favorite from just like a very like, from like just a high level kind of like summary of them, like one liner about them now that you know a little bit more about them? Is there a standout to you? Based on the show, I was a Claudia boy through and through. I don't Mm -hmm. think this book I think I'm just so biased towards Claudia that I still am Claudia boy after mm-hmm. reading this. Um, but I don't know that like this book was her best. Yeah. M- moment. She's not yeah. problematic in it. No, she's, no. She's, she's just doing just, her thing. Yeah, she's, she's just being her artist. Yeah. Um, I did kind of enjoy Marianne in this book mm-hmm. um, because Mallory kept coming for her throat and then Marianne just told her back off, bitch, which yeah. I really enjoyed. And I didn't know Don was so woke so I liked her as well yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Don's definitely the wokest you know that's how that's how we come out here in California um but uh yeah this was 
it's really interesting to me. So that the Dawn subplot, as you mentioned, is is her noticing that Peter Pan is super, super sexist. Um, doesn't really notice how racist it is, which is, a, <laughs> you know, which speaks to the 1992 of it all or the early. Oh, I guess. this Yeah, this is late 92. This is literally exactly 30 years ago. This book was released. Mm. Um, so I think that makes sense that she would focus more on the sexism yeah. than the racism at this particular time, especially because like the most acceptable racism in the United States is against Native American people. Yeah. Um, so that's not a surprise. I would side note, would like to talk about other racist musicals in a second. But um, <laughs> I did sometimes when Dawn, there's a, there's a book called Dawn Saves the Planet where she gets really into recycling and she's like a total bitch about it. <laughs> And like drives everyone crazy. So I liked like she drove people a little nuts in this because she wasn't following directions. But I actually thought her like method of raising awareness was very reasonable. Like, hang on, what are we what are we actually like? We're going to perform this for a bunch of children. Are all the little boys going to think that girls should sew things for them and cook for them and take care of them? Yeah. And I know there are like to get into the logistics of it. I know there are rules where you can't stray from the written material, Mm -hmm. but he should have just said Mr. Cheney should have just said that because to make it like he was against it there was nothing wrong with what she was doing and there were such minimal changes that Mm -hmm. like it is probably against the law to change those lines during a production Mm -hmm. but mr cheney like took it he was taking a lot personally but (laughs) he took those changes personally too (laughs) totally totally um but i thought that was a really fun use of dawn um, yes. in this in this book and and highlighted her well. Um, but I also am like, can all of these girls sing? And we just didn't know. This is kind of like we were like 20 books in and Anne was like, why is Claudia a champion skier all of a sudden? No one told us this. This <laughs> yeah. has never been mentioned. But Claudia is the best skier in all of uh-huh. Stony Middle School. And I feel like like Christy and Dawn can sing well enough to be the leads in a musical. Right. That seems not true. <laughs> And again, this is K through 12. So like out of this club of seven girls or however many it is, all all of the leads are from those seven. That's insane. Wait, you guys. Babysitter's Club, the musical. Oh, I would see it in a second. Oh, my God. Should we write it? (laughs) Can any of us write I, I think Donnie could do it. <laughs> it. I'll just make it a jukebox musical. Yeah, yeah. We'll just okay. write the script. Yeah. yeah, exactly. What yeah. will be our theme for the music? Like Rock of Ages was like, you know, hair metal. It would so have to be have... 90s pop, right? Yeah. 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 I think 80s and 90s pop. Yeah. 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 Ooh, we man. just stumbled onto something Wait. magical. Yeah. I mean, really. Really, if anybody takes this and runs with it, you, you owe a, the three of us a royalty of some kind. Yeah, I'm just ready, trademark. I'm ready to retire, so, yeah. so let's go. <laughs> you can come buy the buy the idea from us. Yes. Sorry, Emily, you're not here tonight. <laughs> We're splitting this yeah. with Johnny. <laughs> Emily, you missed your chance. Yeah. <laughs> we'll need an usher, though. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. She she's she she she'll help us with that. That makes sense. Okay. Well, I, there was, um, this got me thinking about the fact that we do do a bunch of, you know, this is a classic middle and high school thing, right? Is like, let's put on a musical. This is one of the like classic activities growing up Mm -hmm. alongside, you know, sports and speech debate and whatever. And so I wanted to look at like what there was in the psychology literature, like if there's actually data about this. Um, And there's like a lot 
I will say the quality of it is low, um, but there's like a lot. So basically like tons of baby psychologists for their dissertation were like, I did theater in high school. I wonder what theater in high school does. And like they all took like had a little tiny question about it and wrote a paper and published that one paper. So I like got sometimes I'll look stuff up for the show, Donnie, and I'm like, oh, is there any data on X? And then I can't really find anything. And there's like one study. There were like hundreds of studies when I searched like theater and adolescence. Like there's so many. Some of them have to do with like um, theater, like therapy, like drama Mm. therapy stuff. But a lot of it was just like, what's the what's the impact of participating in a theater program on X outcome? So when I say a lot of the studies were really bad, they didn't control for other variables. So it would be like a pre post test, like we're going to do this theater program and then we're going to measure how kids feel about themselves Mm. before and after. But there's like no follow up. There's no it's just like immediately following doing the play. We measure these things. And then it's like, so this helps kids self-esteem like (laughs) across those eight weeks. Like, I don't like, does it actually help? long term. We have no idea. There's lots of things like that. A lot of like studies in really small journals. Um, So like really quick, like hyper down the list, like help for social skills and autism. Yes. Um, Help prevent bullying. No, actually published a null null result. Theater does not help prevent bullying. No theater kid would ever tell you that it did. Um, (laughs) Like... Help developing creativity, which apparently is a 21st century skill. Mm. Yes. Um, Helping students understand the Holocaust. Yes. Helping students um, in India increase LGBTQ plus acceptance. Yes. Um, In rural India. So that was kind of a cool one. Um, The two that I found that were sort of um, a kind of a larger thing in better journals There was one that just came out a couple months ago by Bone et al. in Affective Science that looked at um, participating in theater, um, both as a spectator and in like community theater as a predictor of flourishing, um, (laughs) which I feel like is a very... lofty goal in life. So they (laughs) define flourishing as a state of positive mental health that involves both feeling good about and functioning well in individual and community life, as well as the absence of mental illness. So I do not feel like I am flourishing in 2022. I don't know if either of you feel like you're (laughs) flourishing. That might be a bar too high. Um, I don't know. But I did feel like I was flourishing when I was actively doing theater. Oh, so maybe now that I'm go. no longer doing it. Well, that's the study would say that that's why. So the more <laughs> engagement you have with the theater arts, the more likely you are to flourish. Um, and then there was a really nice study from back in 2007 um, that was called Emotional Development in Adolescence, What Can Be Learned from a High School Theater Program um, by this adolescent researcher, Reed Larson, where um, they really did kind of an in-depth qualitative study across a few years at a couple high schools of what the theater program meant to the kids, what it meant to the teachers, what they were kind of going for, what the lessons beyond learning how to act or build a set or things like that did. Um, And there were um, a lot of kind of positives in terms of emotional intelligence and understanding your own emotions and other people's emotions and understanding how to work through conflict, um, which all makes sense to me, right? Are things that kids could get from other activities, but I think the particular focus on emotions is probably stronger in theater. Um, so yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool, but the, the, the summary is lots of really shitty studies about adolescent theater <laughs> participation. 
Uh-huh. Theater teachers, though, I will say they must read those shitty studies because they cling to that. The amount of times in high school I was told, like, you being in theater is making your life so much better. This, 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 and this happens to kids mm-hmm. that participate in theater. So those theater teachers read those studies. Okay, good. <laughs> good. They're, they're quoting something. They did not go unnoticed. Yeah. <laughs> Who was the theater teacher at our high school? We had like four different ones in our okay. four years because oh, wow. the, the the main the main person. So Anne's brother, six was, years was older than one, us. Mr. Cheney. Yeah. <laughs> right. It seemed like it. Yeah. Um, the main the dude that was like famous at McClatchy Art High School that did all the really big musicals. Anne's brother was like. A, so Anne's brother was Marcellus in The Music <gasps> Man. Oh. And he was Heinze in The Pajama Game. Wow. I know. I know. He Big did really deal. flourish. He flourished. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say. So yeah. that guy left like the year before our freshman year. And mm. then there weren't any musicals when we were there. It was all like importance of being earnest oh, and okay. like smaller plays um, because they kept like, I don't even remember their names, even though I did theater all four years because they literally changed like every year. It was sad. Mm. There was a big cut and, you know, it was the 90s. There were lots yeah. of cuts in arts program funding. So, yeah. Yeah. I was always bummed we didn't get a musical. Yes. Me too. So I wouldn't have been in the musical. You might have painted a little bit. I don't know if I even would have done backstage stuff. I would have gone seen the musical for sure. And I would have wanted to be the lead and I would have been cast as like someone's mom. So what are you gonna do? Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that I feel like um, Anna Martin did, did a good job at assigning each of the girls a spot in the production mm-hmm. according mm-hmm. to their personality, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was pre- it was pretty accurate. Like who was behind the scenes as opposed to who was on stage and who oh, yeah. wanted to try it out. And, you know, and some people who kind of felt middle of the road, but still kind of just wanted to do it just to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, like Logan, state. I think Logan being yeah. like, I'll just take a random part. That sounds good. Mm-hmm. But then also him being embarrassed that he was noodler. I also thought was good. Right, right. Or like Stacy, I feel like wasn't super into it, but she was like, I want to be part of this. Mm-hmm. And then she's saying Mac the knife <laughs> for her audition. Uh, yeah, that was like, weird. What? That was a weird choice. We often mock the like random boomer references that show up in this this. <laughs> you know, septet of Gen X girls, um, Donnie. And that was like definitely one of the weirder ones. Yeah, but what's funny in the book, it says um, she's saying the first few lines of Mac the Knife, which was strange. Yeah. Like it even says it in Like the even Christy knew it was weird. Yeah. Or like even Anna Martin knew it was weird. Yeah. And she was like, I can't think of another song right now. So this is it. I can't be bothered. I can't right. be bothered. I've been listening to Bobby Darren all day. We're going to go with this. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. oh man, so silly. Do you have any questions for me as a psychologist, Donnie, before we move on? Oh my God, I'm not that smart. Um, <laughs> so no, I don't think so. No, that's I hard. mean, I approve, not approve. I mean, who am I? I approve of everything you said. No, I... <laughs> Everything you said is fascinating. Um, But like I said, teachers have been telling me without credit, they didn't give me half as much as the information you did. They've just been blowing it out of their ass since I was (laughs) in ninth grade. So I have heard little bits of those things before. (laughs) Fantastic. All right, Anne, what are you going to, what are you going to, but there's, I mean, the pop culture in this book, of course, is the show. What are you going to, mm-hmm. what are you going to bring so to So I try to find some data on what 
musicals and plays have been portrayed in television shows and like teen movies, mm. but apparently that has not been tracked because no one cares. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which, yeah. Or it's like, I feel like it's such a, or it's sometimes it's just kind of a, like there's, it's like a no name production. There's like oh, a yeah. play going on, but it's not like our town or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. That, right. So I did find an article um, on NPR. So there's a magazine for um, high schoolers and high school teachers called Dramatics. And it's been published since 1938. And every year they compile the most popular production. Um, And it's not, bear in mind, it's not every high school in the country, but I think it's right now like like 5,000 or something. So it's a lot. So they compiled all this data and it, it goes by decade. So it kind of, it has a graph and you can kind of see the, how like popularity shifts. Mm, interesting. So um, do you guys want to take a guess at like what the all time most popular like dramatic plays are? Our town. That's one of them. Oh, yeah. And there's another mm. one that I know McClatchy did. I don't think when we were there, but they did it when my brother was there. Death of a Salesman? No. Is it Romeo oh, and Juliet? Is it no. Shakespeare at all? No. No. I'll just tell you, you can't take it with you. Oh. You can't take it with you as a comedy. Yeah. Well, it's a play. Well, okay. I meant like as a. Oh, you just to meant musical. Yeah, as a musical. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's- um, so those are the two. Most- Tony and I were like, that sounds dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> tell me where Not you musical. cried, Anne. Yeah. <laughs> so those are the two um, overall most popular. What's interesting is so when Donnie, what years were you in high school? Um, 2000 to 2004. Well, guess what was the most popular play then? Non-musical play. What was it? A Midsummer's Night Dream. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. You were right on trend. Yeah, and we were. It was actually up until throughout the 1990s, um, Our Town and You Can't Take It With You were like going back and forth for most popular. And then in the odds, it switched to number one, became a Midsummer's Night Dream. That's crazy. Um, so funny. And the we 2000- did, our town was freshman year at our school, remember? Uh, Hillary it was 1990s. Was, it was yeah. number one. Hillary was Does it Emily. say when in the odds? No, that it happened? doesn't. It just because goes by decade. Remember that movie? I forget what movie it was. Um, with James Franco, I think, in it? No, maybe I made that up. Oh, it's like and, one of those like teen like advertisements. Yeah, and the play they do is like a musical version oh, of Midsummer Night's Dream. I wonder if that changed mm. the course of it. Yeah, well, I, I'll say the top. So the top six for the 1990s were One Our Town, A Midsummer's Night Dream, You Can't Take It With You, Arsenic, and Old Lace. Oh, yeah. Oh, we did yeah. Arsenic and Old Lace also at McClatchy. Okay. Wow. Steel Magnolias and The Miracle Worker. Oh, The um, Miracle Worker. Yeah. And then okay. the odds, it was number one, A Midsummer's Night Dream, You Can't Take It With You, The Crucible, mm. Arsenic, and Old Lace, Rumors, and then Our Town. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. The other play that we did that I hate because I don't like <laughs> farce... Um, so we can shit talk a little bit <gasps> is noises off. I hate noises off. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I hate it. It makes me so mad. I'm like, you hate farce already. Like, <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's stressful. It's so No. Stressful. Sometimes <laughs> I walk around my apartment pretending I'm in a farce by myself. I love slamming doors. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I wish that could be our episode title. (laughs) You hate farce? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So for the 2020s, keep it. So this 
Um, these rankings were updated in 2020, mm. but keep in mind COVID. So, yeah. oh. so some of these were done like via Zoom. Mm. So okay. in 2020 is the top six were one. Number one was Clue. Mm. Uh, then Almost Maine and Midsummer's Night Dream, Peter and the Star Catcher, okay. mm-hmm. uh-huh. Radium Girls, and 12 Angry Jurors. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and then there's also musicals. Oh, thank God. I thought you didn't come prepared with it. And I was very <laughs> upset, but I wasn't going to judge you on your own podcast. No, no, no. <laughs> um, okay. So they only started tracking musicals from the 1960s. Okay. Okay. Um, so do you guys want to take a guess what was the most popular um, in the 60s? These are like classics. I know. Right, right. Guys and Dolls? Oh, good guess. No, but it does appear in a later later decades. Okay. Yeah, I feel like Music Man would be later decades because it was uh-huh. on Broadway in the 60s. Well, it is, yeah. it is number five in the 1960s. Oh, wow. wow. That in penetrated quickly. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Okay, Harold Hill, we see you. Um, pajama game? No. Okay, I should shut up. Donnie, you're the expert. Go ahead. No, I'm not. Here's the thing. I am no fan, not no fan of classics, but like I can like something a lot, but just through my lens. So I love musical theater, but I'm more of like a contemporary, ah, modern okay. musical theater person that you like, could like ignore classics. Yeah. Okay. okay. So Oklahoma was number one. Oh, oh. yeah, I would never guess yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then followed by, have, yeah. yeah, South Pacific, Brigadoon, oh, Bye Bye Birdie, The Music oh, Man, and yeah. The Wizard of Oz. Okay. Um, I feel South so Pacific. dumb. Yeah. <laughs> South Pacific, another quite racist musical. Yes. Yes. Quite, yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, in the 1970s, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown shows up. Oh, yeah. Okay. Good as one. well as Fiddler on the Roof. Mm. Um, okay. In the 80s, Grease shows up. Of course. And yeah. then in the 90s, guess what shows up? Little Shop? Yes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, number six in the in the nineties. Love that. Moves up to number three in the odds. Wow. Um, still holds at number three in the two thousand tens, but then wow. falls off and well in the twenty twenty. So, uh-huh. but also pandemic. So yeah, yeah. can't really yeah, yeah. do a big production. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, but a uh, musical um mm-hmm. is is popular currently as so the number one musical currently is the Adams Family. Well, mm. mm. number one in the nineties. Did you say that? Bye bye, Birdie. Mm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I support it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and also totally makes sense to do it at high school because it's like one million high school kids. Yeah. Like yeah, the other totally. thing that affects this is like how they like how many parts are there and can you cast it? And mm-hmm. like I know at my high school there was always like 40 girls that wanted to be yeah. in it and like three guys and like how do you make it happen? Right. Yeah, there's a funny quote in this article. Let me try to find it. Um, well, so some the, the editors of the magazine actually said they were getting tired of everyone doing the same musicals for so long. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they actually were urging people to do more modern plays mm-hmm. and musicals because there's like, you know, like because theater is a reflection of society yeah. and like why are we doing like these old musicals, you know, when it's like 1997 and we're mm-hmm. still doing whatever. But no one really listened. Like they're like, bitch, we're still doing the music, man. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, they just want to like keep on doing what they know. 
Um, okay, so this is one person from this magazine says, most high school teachers need a big cast, lots of female roles, and something that won't scare your grandma. <laughs> I mean, accurate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that's a fun little chart. You can, like, even, you can, like, plug in a musical and it shows you where it ranks in, like, this timeline. Oh, oh my so, God. I'm going to subscribe nice. to this magazine as yeah. soon as I get off this recording. <laughs> If they want it, you know, you can advertise. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you want to sponsor Stuck in Stony Brook, drop us an email at gmail.com. Yeah. And then uh, besides that, there was that uh, part in the book where, was it a Caroline ate three candy bars? Was it? Yes. Uh huh. The little the little girl. Mm-hmm. She she ate three candy bars for energy. Oh right. And I, and I was thinking, okay, if you guys had to eat three candy bars for energy, which ones would you pick? Would you pick the same three candy bars or oh. three different ones? Oh, gotta be strategic here. And am I actually trying to get like real energy? Like, do I have to choose like something healthy, like a Snickers, <laughs> or do I like? <laughs> Is a Snickers healthy? No, I just meant because it has protein. Oh god. Or am I just going for the sugar rush? Like, what's the? Well, what's my goal? okay. So Carolyn says, "Well, I needed sugar for energy." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's all we get. Yeah, I I think I would rather have three different kinds Mm. than three of the same candy bar. Okay. But three candy bars is a lot of chocolate for me. I feel like that's... Okay, that's not... That's not part of the game as me. You just have to choose. <laughs> All right, Donnie, you go first. I'll think about it. I would do a whatchamacallit, a hundred grand bar, and Reese's cup. <laughs> Thank you, Donnie. Jesus. Come on, Esme. <laughs> and then wash it down with a Red Bull. She's going to fire me, Donnie. <laughs> like, this is your okay. Logan moment. I know. Seriously. <laughs> I'm like, mutiny. Mutiny. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I agree with hundred grand. That was a masterful mm-hmm. move. Um, I would mm-hmm. also like a vanilla Charleston chew. Oh. Um mm. and like a Milky Way, probably. Mm. Yeah. Okay. How about okay. you, Anne? Well, I feel like Twix would be in there. Oh, smart. Good one. Good yeah. one. Because it's like the biscuit part isn't too sweet. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So That's your Twix. base. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would probably throw in a Snickers because that is the quintessential energy mm-hmm. candy <laughs> energy bar. Energy candy bar. Yeah. Like before you play a sporting event, you eat a Snickers. Yeah. <laughs> According yeah. to the In 1992. Yes. Yeah, it's exactly. the Gatorade of candy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the third one, hmm, I feel like I would do, again, something maybe like a, I like a whatchamacallit because it's also not too heavy. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's filled with a lot of crispy things. Yeah. 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 So I feel smart. like it's it's like a light, it's a light one. That's smart. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Fair. I see what you did there. All right. <laughs> Uh, did did we have much candy in this book? And tracks what candies Claudia eats. Oh yeah, Claudia eats. Um, she has in her room. She eats a, a an almond joy mm-hmm. before the play. Okay, fair enough. Um, we also, given that introduction chapter that you mentioned, Donnie, we tally the ways that the girls get described stereotypically over and over again across <laughs> Ooh, okay. the series. So. But this one had fewer tallies than usual. So one shy, one sensitive, and one obsessed with health food for Dawn. Um, we're, I, this is the third book in a row now, I think, where Claudia has neither been described as exotic or having almond-shaped eyes. 
So I'm hoping as we get to the mid 90s that this is going to start falling away, Uh but we'll see. (laughs) Um, And then, of course, in our social justice corner, we had about 150 mentions of Indians and uh, this play be racist. So (laughs) I think they could have they could have chosen more racist things. It, mm-hmm. you, what did you suggest earlier, Anne? Flower drum song. Um, yeah, they flower drum song. Yeah, I mean, I saw I saw a production of uh, West Side Story where all of the Puerto Rican kids were played by Jews in the early 2000s. Where so. was that? Was that on <laughs> the East Coast? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was in the <gasps> Bronx. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I also saw a production of West Side Story um, we're at a Jewish community center and the people playing either the Jets or the Sharks, whichever one are not the white kids, mm-hmm. they were like the director paid them to go tanning. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Early yeah. 2000s theater. Gotta love yeah. it. Yeah. Bad news bears. Bad news bears. So I don't know. Donnie, can you think of any shows that would have been less suited to Stony Brook where everyone's white except one Asian person and one black person? <laughs> Um, I mean, I guess West Side Story. Yeah. Hairspray would, <laughs> didn't exist, but it would have been tough. Yeah, probably. The Wiz maybe wouldn't have been a good choice. Then Jesse would have been even more overconfident. I feel like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, we did a children's theater production of Pocahontas in high school. That was tough. Mm-hmm. I was not cast as a settler, so I'll let you fill in the blanks of okay. what I was cast I'm as. Sorry. Uh, it wasn't great. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, uh, we've learned a lot in the last uh-huh, five uh-huh. to six years, I think, <laughs> as a as a nation. So yeah. hopefully we'll continue to learn. Hopefully we'll continue to learn. Well, and Babysitter's Club the Musical. We'll oh, be, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. We'll make sure that there's... We'll make Dawn proud, yeah. yeah oh, I'll you'll play, play Claudia. Claudia. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> oh, but who's going to be Christy, Donnie, or you? I mean... Uh, yeah. It, I want to play Stacy, And uh, <laughs> my song will be called Diabetic Slut. <laughs> I would love to have some lyrics to that, please. Oh my god. I'll work on them. Okay, please do. Her favorite, if she could eat candy, she would eat white chocolate and root beer beer barrels. That helps. Literally. Literally. Those are the things she talks about missing. (gasps) I know. What are they? White chocolate and root beer barrels. No. I mean, both of those are good, but I think we missed a few steps. I love white chocolate and I love root beer barrels. And you love boys. Yeah. yeah. So you've got everything in common with Stacey. I know. Like, oh, yeah. I know. Like, and you live in New York. Yeah. Yes. You are a uh-huh. sophisticated New Yorker. Yeah. yeah. My God. You are Stacy. Oh, Stacy with a dash of uh, Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Great. Finally, someone who agrees that root beer barrels are good. Yeah. They're and like, so good. Thank you. You have great taste. Thanks. You too, Donnie. <laughs> Impeccable candy taste. Thank you, thank you. From the what you want to call it to the root beer bar. Yes, yes. Yes. I know. I got to give it a shout for the the hundred grand too. That's a fantastic candy bar. Wow, thank you. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Okay, on to our favorite lines. Donnie, did you write down any? I didn't. And you even highlighted it in the outline. (laughs) Please come prepared with this. (laughs) But that's okay. (laughs) Goodness knows we haven't oftentimes, and we do it every week. Good, good, good. So. Esme, would you like to give me yours? 
You know, I there were a couple that I found really funny. One is um, on on page one hundred one. Hold on, I want to look at it because I was like, <laughs> did that really just happen? And um, uh, let's see. Oh well, there's like a Jerry Lewis reference <laughs> first of all, where I was like, really Anna Martin. But then oh, I wrote down the wrong page number. That was the Jerry Lewis reference. Uh, I don't know who they're saying it to. It's St- oh, it's Stace. It's Mr. Chain. Saying to Stacy, "Sing out, Louise," from <laughs> which is from Gypsy, right? Yeah, that um, but but he doesn't That's give her it. any context. And she no. doesn't know what it is. <laughs> like, yeah, she literally just says, "Like he says that to us when we sing." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I thought "Sing out, Louise" was really funny, and then um, wait, I also said that to Stacy. Yeah, yeah. So she, wait, when she was singing "Back the Knife"? No, no. Like okay. during the show, like her song when, with the kids, Tender yeah. Shepherd, okay. Tender Shepherd. Okay. Yeah, because um, we know Stacy can't <laughs> sing that well because she's just got one song. Um, and then I also really liked how several times in the first like three chapters they referred to this whole cacophony as a musical extravaganza um i thought that that was very funny and then they kept saying it like sincerely throughout how about you ann okay i have two and they both have to do with food oh um so one is when claudia is eating her almond joy Mm -hmm. and she talks about how don doesn't eat like junk food Mm -hmm. And she said, Dawn was probably at her house biting into a carob bar or something. Carob (laughs) is just unnecessary. Oh, sorry. It says carob is just not necessary. I thought that was funny. (laughs) I agree with Claudia. Yeah. And then the other one is also when, for some reason, before the play starts, everyone hasn't eaten anything and they all have to eat, which is really weird. Mm -hmm. So uh, Marianne's trying to get Dawn to eat something. And she's like offering Dawn like candy and all this stuff. And she offers Don um, one of those like peanut butter cracker things from the vending machine. Mm-hmm. And Don's like, Ugh. she's like, these are probably full of chemicals and additives. And Marianne says, one package isn't going to kill you. Besides, do you want to faint tonight? And Don says, no, I want to be a star. That's <laughs> <gasps> so good. That gave me the chills. <laughs> Do you think it was those like orange peanut butter crackers? Yes, I yeah. think so. For sure. For sure. Can I tell you something? I'll go yeah. on a little tangent. When I first moved to New York, I didn't have a job for my first month here. So I only, and I ran out of money quite quick. So I only had what I moved here with. And my mom gave me tuna fish, Easy Mac, and like a Sam's Club big bundle of those peanut butter crackers. So all I had every day, my lunch was those orange peanut butter crackers. And my dinner was Easy Mac and tuna fish mixed together. I lost 40 pounds in a month. (laughs) I thought I was going to get scurvy. I didn't. Um... But that that's my life. That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. I love how you didn't vary it. Like you kept it the yeah. same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like a prisoner of war or something. Like this <laughs> yeah. is like the peanut butter's just for lunch. Well, if oh like God. the tuna and easy Mac felt like more of a dinner. Yeah, so if no, I, I had mean, that for yeah. my lunch and then I would have really had a letdown for dinner just yeah. like a peanut butter cracker. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That's fair. Oh my God. The other thing, and that this isn't like best lines but that i thought was so you was in the epilogue when everybody's saying like their big things about looking back on the production and claudia's just says what can i say my scenery didn't kill anyone 
That's very me. Yeah. Wait, did I glance over it? What did Koki call Claudia for? Remember when Claudia's freaking out, like the set's going to kill someone. And then Koki calls her and she's like, can we talk about my set for my song? There's no follow up about that, is there? I don't think so. I think <laughs> okay. she was just like, you know, that's just Koki being self-centered. Mm, okay. That's just our like, she in her janitor closet. Yeah. She's like, Claudia, come meet me in the janitor's closet. I have something to tell you. <laughs> All right. We could take so, it a very different direction. Um, yeah. But so wait, what are we going with? What are, we got? We got uh, Carib is not necessary. <laughs> we got I want to be a star. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got musical extravaganza, uh-huh. and we have Sing Out Louise. I like Sing Out Louise because I feel like I don't know. It's just very random. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the most chaotic. Yeah, yeah. it's very chaotic. <laughs> okay, let's okay. go with that then for sure. <laughs> Okay, now our pizza toast. What shall we pizza toast to? Donnie, I know you got something. So I was giving a pizza toast to Mr. Cheney originally, Mm -hmm. just because he had to deal with a lot of shit from these children. (laughs) However, he did lose me about halfway through the book. And then I'm just going to give it to Mary Ann because Mm -hmm. she was the one doing the brunt of the work here with these children. Mr. Cheney was just living out his theater dreams through these kids and taking it out on them. While Mary Ann really had to do the work here. That's true. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah, Marianne is like the, yeah. Like, how did they not plan to have like a child wrangler in this production? Like, there's no way that they wouldn't have like an actual adult whose job is to take care of like (laughs) all of these younger children. Mm -hmm. But somehow they were going to do it. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, well, I had a a couple, both of mine are sincere, which, you know, that I get made fun of a lot. It's fine. That's on brand. Um, I'm kind of bossy, but I have a big heart. Um, I, uh, was sad for Christy and, um, Dawn that they were feeling the dad absences. Um, Mm -hmm. although, uh, Dawn, I was like, why didn't you invite your dad? Like he might've been able to come. Like you you didn't even tell him you were going to be in the play. That's a little weird. But Richard, Marianne's dad and Dawn's stepdad really broke my heart when he videotaped the show and like anticipated that Dawn might be sad that her dad wasn't there and said, now your dad can see you in it. Yeah. So she's crying. Yeah. I cry. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a big crier. So that was really, really, really sweet. And then I also liked the the last paragraph of the main book or the second to last paragraph is Dawn's chapter. And it just, for me, really captured like the magic of being a theater kid. So she says, when the curtain closed for the last time, backstage became a sea of crying, hugging, laughing cast members who were soon joined by their crying, hugging, laughing families and the crying, hugging, laughing crew. Sam kissed Stacy in front of everyone. Bart kissed Christy. Jackie shouted crocabunga, which he had not done during the play. Let's leave that to the side. And Jesse let her little sister try on the crocodile costume. When I went to bed that night, I dreamed of roses and clapping hands. And so that I just felt like this was a really sweet, like, yeah. tie up mm-hmm. of the whole experience. Well, ended on a, you know, sincere note there as we kind I'm of sorry. spoiled the it's whole what thing. I do. It's what I do. <laughs> what do you want to do, though? What do you want? So what do you have? Yeah. Which one? What do you? What was? Did you have a pizza toast suggestion yet? Oh, I didn't. Okay. So you get to pick from from Donnie's and mine's. Donnie's. <laughs> Great. <laughs> That was so predictable. Well, thank Mostly you. My, I just I just suggest pizza toasts that don't actually happen, so it's fine. Uh, all right, pizza toast to Marianne. Pizza toast to Marianne. Woo. All right, so Donnie. Um, actually, before I even ask you this, Anne, it's the end um, of the episode. Who oh, would yeah. you impersonate on Twitter okay. for three hours? For three hours. So I have a, I have a few ideas. Okay, great. So I'm going to go for Reach. 
because mm-hmm. why so, not? <laughs> I, okay, I want to either Joe Biden. Oh wow. <laughs> Okay. Okay. What would you do with it if you did Joe Biden? I'll tell some jokes, probably. <laughs> about Delaware or like about like just I don't know, just some dad jokes. Okay. That would be so fun. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be okay. like I wouldn't do anything bad. Okay. Um uh I think maybe someone like uh like Ludacris. <laughs> wow, okay. Ludacris or Joe Biden. I see how you connected those stats. <laughs> And um, I have to go with Oprah Winfrey. Mm, also yes. a good one. Yeah. yeah. Any, I mean, any... there's so many that are so good. But yeah. I, can't, I don't know how to be like so chaotic, evil like Donnie, though. Yeah, I, know, I know. I know. I <laughs> know. It's really good. I am thinking about maybe in early 2023, I want to do a Leah Michelle one where I only tweet emoji. <laughs> <laughs> Just to keep because she can't read. Yeah, because she can't read. Yeah, yeah. There's a rumor that she can't read as me, and that's (laughs) That's amazing. Oh my god! Oh my god! So good. Uh, Okay, Donnie, this has been fabulous. Thank you so much for coming on. Before you leave uh, us, where can can you remind everybody where they can find you? And is there anything you want to plug? Of course, yeah. So you can follow me on TikTok or Instagram at Real Wood. Or you can listen to my podcast that I co-host with my friend Chelsea, and that is called I Am the Cute One, a nostalgia podcast where we recap, and I use that term loosely, 90s and early 2000s movies, but really we just talk about ourselves for an hour. (laughs) (laughs) So you get some content in the movie in there. Yeah, yeah. Like a little bit of both. Yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, uh, Happy New Year. Thanks so much. This has been great. Thank you, Donnie. I had so much fun. Thank you. Yeah, let us know. We can get you back for a Stacey book at some point. Oh, I would love to. Diabetic slot. <laughs> yeah, that's, and then you can, uh, yeah, give us the song. Then. Oh, yeah. I'll have it written by the time I return. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Great. okay great. fantastic. Great. This episode of Stuck at Stony Brook is now adjourned. Thank you to Anna Martin for everything. Stuck in Stony Brook is edited by Emily Crandall. Theme song written and recorded by Gary Schaller, performed by the band Kid Kid. You can follow us on Instagram at Stuck in Stony Brook or find us on our website, stuckinstonybrook.com. Need some books that we mentioned? Buy them from our bookshop and support both the local independent bookstore and your favorite series literature analysis podcast. Find us at bookshop.org slash shop slash Stuck in Stony Brook. Lastly, if you're feeling doubly generous and you want to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be super helpful. You're the best friend the girl could ask for. <laughs> <laughs>